Hello and welcome to the Cat Maste Chronicles podcast. We have exciting, interesting and powerful stories from pet owners about their projects, businesses and ventures. I'm your host, Michelle Adams, founder of Chatty Cats Care, London's professional cat sitting company. Join me as I dive deep into conversation with pet owners to chat about their individual journeys and of course, their beloved pets. Tune in every Wednesday for a new episode. Hello and welcome to episode 55 of the Cat Mass Day Chronicles podcast. This week I'm joined by the inspirational Carla Colson. She is a photographer and life coach who helps women say yes to themselves by reconnecting to their creativity, joy and passion. Her mission is to lead women out of chaos, confusion or feeling stuck so they can access deeper creativity, love, health, success, confidence and fun. She has authored free photography books, collaborated with a further five Penguin books and worked with magazines such as Harper's Bazaar and more. She recently created her own successful series titled Young Girl in Bloom. She's also currently looking after around 40 cats on a Greek island. So I'm really intrigued by what Carla has to say, and I'm sure you will be too. So without further ado, thank you so much for joining us on the show today, Carla. I've briefly introduced you, but if you could tell the listeners a little bit more about yourself, that would be amazing. Oh, thank you. Oh, it's my joy to be here. Um, I love my favourite subjects, women, <laughs> cats, <laughs> and, you know, um, self-empowerment. So it's just a joy to be here. Thank you very much. Oh, you're welcome. Um, I, yeah, I'll just give you a little bit of background on my story. Basically, um, I am a photographer and a creative coach now, but I sort of reinvented my life when I was 35. So I had a midlife crisis, I guess one could call it. Mm -hmm. Um, I had a job I didn't like. I lived in Sydney and I was really stuck, um, really stuck, but I didn't know, I didn't really even think to get out of my life really. I just thought that that was what um the way life was and I just had to sort of suck it up but there were so many things wrong with my life um that I really just um I just as the years passed as I went from sort of 33 to 35 I just kept getting more and more dissatisfied with everything till the universe sent me an extraordinary message on the Christmas 1999 I won the award at my local Thai takeaway for eating more Thai takeaway than anyone in the whole of Darlinghurst. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I know. And I'm going to laugh about it now because it's funny now. But at, the mo- at that moment, it was, it was just, you know, devastating to think that really that's what my life had become and that was sort of the only award I could win. <laughs> so I, you know, like all of us, I'd had many signals, signs, red flags many, many times. And in that moment, I just knew I had to get out of my life. So I made a call straight away. I literally, I mean, after I got over the howling and crying in my car with my Thai takeaway, I just rang my business partner at the time and, you know, went around to him and said, I've just got to leave this life and told him the truth. You know, I'm like, I've got 
no love, I've got no passion, I'm not you know, connected to a community of people that are like-minded, and I know if I don't change something today, I'll be here when I'm 60 living this life. And so that was really the beginning of, you know, I knew what I didn't want, but then I had to go out and find a life I did want, which was um, in a way a joyous thing for me because I just knew the things I didn't like about my life. So I started looking at the opposite things and it led me on this incredible journey um, to the outback of Australia, trying these different things that I thought would um, sort of satisfy me. Until and one of the things I had on the list was learn Italian in Italy, and I had already been to Italy many times, and I'd already tried to learn Italian in Sydney in the evenings. Um, but when I got to Italy, I just walked into a piazza on the first night, and I went, "This feels good. Oh my god, I love this!" And I didn't. I don't think um, there was no logical reason. I just had this feeling in my body, like, "Wow, this is." I don't want to say I've come home, but I felt very, very comfortable. So I went to my Italian course and just fell in love with everything about Italian life and I was meant to stay one month and I decided to cancel the rest of all of the things I had planned for the year. So I had all these, I had a year really to figure this thing out. Um, my business partner gave me a year off. So I just decided I really love it here and uh, rather than you know following the logical thing that I'd planned out, I just decided to cancel it all and stay there in Florence, um, learning Italian. And one thing just led to another, and this is a thing that I have really learned if you allow yourself to get heart connected, that the path becomes clear. But the problem is often that we just go with our logical brains, mm -hmm. create plans, and we go after them. Um, and even when we're getting the signal not to go, to change, we keep going. So, so I stayed in Italy and I ended up living in with this fabulous Italian woman called, Pop, woman called Poppy. And at the end of my year, when it was time to go back, I hadn't really come up with what I should be doing, what would be the next thing. And she said to me, oh, gosh, you take such great photographs and you're always got your camera with you. And it was true. I was always printing photographs for everybody and sort of documenting things, but I didn't know what I was doing. I had knew nothing about photography. I knew nothing about the history of photography. But I did know that I loved it because I used to buy so many magazines and I was really interested in all the, you know, beautiful fashion and stuff. So I decided... There's no way I'm going back to that old life in Sydney. Now that I'm out, I am going to stay out and I am going to make a pact with myself to sign up to this course, whether I, you know, I didn't at that point know that I would like it, um, but just a pact. So I gave myself three months to sell business, get out of my life and then come back to Italy. And I basically signed the contract the day before I got on the plane. So I was just so committed to coming back to Italy that I made that happen. And then, of course, I started my photography school. I did have a bit of a breakdown, actually, for a couple of weeks prior to starting the photography school because I thought, oh, my God, what have I done? Mm -hmm. This is insane. I've just left everything. I felt really, really freaked out. But once I walked into that dark room and actually developed the very first photograph I loved, I just became obsessed. It was like something overtook me. And I just took photographs day and night. I just loved it. I didn't need 
you know, I thought, you know, I needed a partner and uh, you know, I was always wanting love. But really what I realised was, wow, this was like having all of it. You know, I had the same feeling of love and passion and excitement doing photography. So um, so that was really how I got started uh, in photography. And I just ended up having, you know, the most beautiful 15 years really solidly of, you know, taking photographs, working with magazines, creating books, um, and then that again um, led me to life coaching at some point because I wrote a book in 2004 and photographed it called Italian Joy. And it was originally just going to be called Gioia, which is Italian just for joy, uh, because that was really the only, that was the thing that had been ignited me, ignited in me in Italy. And I just really wanted to share this, you know, this simple life that I found anyway. So I ended up blending my story about leaving my life and just what I found in Italy and all the things that I resonated, you know, resonated with me. So this, this was actually a year came out with, a year before Eat, Pray, Love. And it became, <laughs> yeah, and it became a, a, a bestseller in Australia, even though it was a photographic book. And so what it did was it connected me to so many people, started writing to me then about their lives mm -hmm. and how they were dissatisfied and how could they change their lives. So it became a theme with me and my people over the years, particularly when I started a blog in 2008, was how to leave your life. So I was always just talking about this from my own personal point of view. Mm -hmm. And then I got to... A burnout in Paris. I ended up moving to Paris. Um, it's a whole other story. Um, but well into that, I ended up with three autoimmunes and it was time to pull up my train crash that was about to hit the wall and really re, you know, really calculate where I was in life. And I ended up just by another beautiful serendipitous moment um, photographing two life coaches. And one of them invited me to her course, it's a beautiful event in Florence and flew me down there and I walked into that room with 200 women. I thought, this is what I want. This is amazing. So I got all those skills and structures and systems and ways that I could help women or people to change their lives that I knew my part, what I'd done. And then I got all these other wonderful tools. So in a bit of a nutshell, that's my life. <laughs> I hope that wasn't too long of an intro. What a but, yeah. story. What a story. Honestly, I'm just like mm. so absorbed by what you were saying. And Italy is such a beautiful place to photograph anyway, because it's just full of beautiful buildings and and fashion and and just history. And yeah, it's so beautiful, isn't it? Yeah. It's a it's it's a, it's an incredibly sensual place. It's like mm -hmm. sensual, you know, your senses are all alive. Um, Italians are very connected to their emotions. They really live their emotions. And I think that was really mm -hmm. like quite shocking in the beginning, but really liberating as well, because you come from an Anglo-Saxon, you know, culture where it's better to keep the lid on all of that. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden you're allowed to <laughs> express yourself and it's like, wow, this is so freeing. Um, and I think, yeah, I like to say the food, the culture, the art, it was sort of this overload of beauty um, and learning for me. So I don't know, I just, you know, I just it was a total love affair on all levels. So, so great.
Yeah, I was interested when you said that you kind of felt like you were home in a way, because I think sometimes we just assume that where we were born, we should be automatically connected to. But I think if you really take time to explore different destinations and countries, then you can really find out different things about yourself and and your belonging and, and how you feel about that. Yeah, I think it's interesting. I hear it all the time. I mean, I've had a lot of these discussions with people throughout the years on my uh, Instagram and on, on uh, my blog, is that people have a, uh, you know, they might go to Portugal or Spain or Peru or wherever, and they just get there and something, they have a physical feeling in their body that this feels good. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, this is what our logical brains kind of question, why don't, why, why don't I belong at home? You know, mm-hmm. And then all of a sense, you know, why do I feel like in this country that's foreign, there's nobody here I know, and I'm, you know, just arrived, why do I feel more at home here um, mm-hmm. than in my own place? And I think it's kind of a natural thing. I mean, often I think, you know, some of us are old souls. I feel like, you know, I'm Australian, but I come from a European background that walking into a little piazza is natural to some part of me, an ancient mm. part of me, mm-hmm. um, you know, rather than big cities and disconnection. And I think that's a lot of things that we're charmed by places like Italy because you feel a human connection. And I think a lot of us live in worlds now where uh, we don't have that human connection, particularly with COVID, has just really disconnected us. So we crave connection as human beings. So for me, all of a sudden, Italy, I felt like I was part of something, even though, you know, in reality, I wasn't. (laughs) But people notice, you know, and talk to you and very kind. And so I I think that's that was a sensation. I think that's probably what a lot of people relate to is all of a sudden they are connected in some way uh, to the place they're in. Exactly. So true. Um, so you spoke about Italian joy, but I'd love to know a little bit more about the other books that you published and maybe some of the ones that you collaborated on as well. Yeah. Well, you know, I had this amazing luck. Well, I call it luck, but actually now I understand synchronicity. And one of the things I do understand was when I went to Italy, I allowed myself to be fully uh, in alignment with everything I liked. And I didn't do it. Um, on purpose. I didn't know what I was doing at the time, but since I've learned about coaching, you know, I was really connected on all levels. So everything sort of flowed. So Italian joy came to me very easily um, through a series of events. And I met one of the world's most fabulous people, Julie Gibbs, big shout out to Julie, um, who was my Penguin publisher at the time. And Julie's just one of these extraordinary creative souls and a woman so connected to her intuition and to her people and she gave me so much freedom creative freedom making italian joy and then after that was done i um, had you know another idea with another friend because very shortly after i ended up moving to paris my husband decided who was my boyfriend then he's italian that he wanted to get out of italy and move to france so of course i was devastated but i decided to go um, so an f- old friend of mine, Vicky Archer, she was living in Provence at the time. So we hooked up and made a book called My French Life, which was actually really successful. Um, it really was Vicky's story. And I, you know, illustrated it with images. 
but we had a ton of fun making that book and Vicky and I did another book called French Essence. So again, um, a beautiful book about her life um, and what she loved in the south of France. And then, yeah, and then I made another book on my own called Paris Tango and that was really me um, when I arrived in Paris. And this was a little different for me because Italian Joy was a really, really personal story that I just couldn't repeat in Paris because I didn't have the same experience. In fact, Paris was very, very difficult for me. And I kind of went into a bit of a downward dive because it was sort of all those things that I felt I loved in Italy, the simple life, the community, Mm -hmm. um, just the easiness that the Italians became all I felt like I lost all of that because um, everything was very difficult in Paris in the beginning. So I did a book called Paris Tango where I interviewed all of Parisian, you know, many Parisians doing wonderful things in all sorts of different things from, you know, the Moulin Rouge to fashion to perfumes, all the things that I really liked about Paris. And so that was great. And then I also collaborated with um, Amanda Tabra on My Amalfi Coast because that was another another synchronicity moment um, where I met her on a beach and we both loved uh, Italy and the Mouth of Coast, so I did that book. Um, and then I did this highly personal book called Chasing a Dream, which I loved that book too. It was really just about what happens when you fall in love with something. And, of course, for me it was photography. Mm. So it was a really a book about love, loving something that's not a person. And then it was all the different things about photography and how that made me feel. So I've always loved that one. Um, And what else have I done? Um, And, yes, then I did another wonderful book driving around with my publisher and um, uh, Sylvia Coloca. Um, I did a cookbook in Abruzzo, which was absolutely fabulous. So... I've done, I've been so fortunate. I've done so many great projects. I've worked with so many great women. And I think that's really one of the things I learned. Um, I loved collaborating. Um, I'm a Libran. So for me, I love to work in a team. And it's a joy to, you know, stand when Vicky and I, we had such an amazing time, you know, in her home uh, in Provence creating. It's like, what do you think about this? And, you know, get that backwards and forwards till you get something better. You know, I think. One of the things I've learned about photography is when you work with people who are talented, whether it's a makeup artist or a stylist or um, someone like Vicky, you know, photos become better, like you're you're doubling and tripling the quality of the image because everyone's bringing their own talent and creativity to the image. So I learned early on that it was super fun to work in a team. So, yes, so that is, I think that's all the books I've done. Um, Probably more, I can't remember anymore. <laughs> I mean, you say it like it's nothing. That's all the books I've done. That is amazing. <laughs> yeah. Amazing destinations as well. And such beautiful places. And, and mm. it's so nice that you've been able to, you know, meet um, people along that journey and, and connect with them and, and build together and, and create together. It's, that must have been such a nice experience. Yeah, I think. It's been really interesting having now, it's 21 years since I've left Australia, having the chance to look back on your journey, particularly learning about life coaching and understanding why things worked at certain points and why they didn't at other points. But I think one of the big things that photography gave me, other than like the self-reflection, but it pushed me out of my comfort zone every single day. 
every day. It was like somebody just pushing you over that line <laughs> every day. Come on. Um, because, you know, I'd have to go and photograph strangers and I'd have to kind of feel their moods and energy and know how to approach them. Or, you know, when you're doing street photography, you really have to in tap into other senses to know when to take that photograph, know when to leave, know when it's too much, when it's too little. And I think this is the really fascinating thing I loved about photography is that it, uh, it's like a self-development course in itself because mm. you're constantly asking yourself questions like, should I take this picture? How do I feel about a homeless person? Do I want to take that picture? Is that, you know, invading their privacy if I do that? Um, you know, then there were times in my life when I didn't have a lot of money and I was thinking, will I be on the streets one day? You know, so there's all these questions that are going, these conversations are going on. So I think that's the thing about photography I loved, of these worlds that I got to go into that you wouldn't get to go into on a normal day. You know, I had so many um, amazing places. I've been in Paris, like Dior and the Ritz and backstage at Moulin Rouge and incredible restaurants and just met so many people, but also just the really authentic, simplest, beautiful day on a boat on your own going somewhere or doing something, you know, they're really the magical moments okay. when, you know, you're just you and your camera in yeah. a magical place and it's it's really special, special. So I'm very, very aware that I have had a very fortunate time and I am extraordinarily grateful for everything. So. Yeah, I mean, it sounds like it was all meant to be in a way it was already planned out. It's just about you taking, you know, the right path or, or choosing the correct options for you. Um, yeah. And it's just, yeah. Yes. I think this is the thing I'm fascinated with that most people, because we're programmed so heavily when we're young, from zero to seven, we're really getting our beliefs in what the people around us are teaching us. But, and one of the big things is we don't get taught to allow ourselves to follow something that feels good. Mm. We get taught to do, get a safe job, go and do this, go and do that. No, you can't, you know, you, you, you'll never have any money or all this information that's coming in um, when you're young just gets um, absorbed and then becomes your like CD drive. But the thing that most of us are never told is, do something that pleases you or allow yourself to feel good. And what I did in the beginning without, and again, this is very unconscious. I didn't understand what I was doing, but I did allow myself just to follow the feel good. And it was a red neon signposted <laughs> signs, you know, all the way along the way that just kept leading me to better and better things. And I honestly, if I had consciously tried to figure out the best thing for me way back then when I was trying to leave Sydney, I didn't have an expanded view of what I could possibly have in my life. So I would have picked something really small and made that come to life. But instead what I did was uh, many people would consider dangerous <laughs> or scary because it's all about the unknown, is go and explore what that might be. And when it feels good, keep going down that path and it will lead you somewhere else. So anyway. Um, um, I'm a huge fan of, you know, just following the feel good and that, you know, let things that are really naturally good for you, um, let that be okay. You know, don't make it too complicated. Don't complicate things. 
It's true. <laughs> I think people do think about the fear, the what ifs, and and is it going to work? Am I going to fail? Or, you know, am I not going to like it if I just made a bad choice? But like you, I think it's good to just, you know, take things as it is, go on a whim and just, you know, what's the worst that can happen? Mm. Well, I think, you know, I say I did say to people, be ever, don't do what I did. That was okay, okay. for me. I will, you know, I felt very responsible for everybody. And I would say, don't do what I did because that was okay for me and I was so heart connected to making Italy work and not going back to that life I would do anything and this is the difference when you are heart connected to a desire compared to oh it's it's just a logical goal Mm. like when you're heart connected you'll make it happen you know you'll make anything happen you'll do things it'll push you out of your comfort zone time and time and time again because you want it (laughs) but it's like you know Someone says, yeah, oh, do you want to pay off your credit card? You're like, oh, yeah. You know, and, and you're like, you know, you're not that excited about it, so it probably won't happen. But, you know, yes. if um, you, uh, you know, probably like you, like let, let me create a cat podcast, you know, and you're really excited about that and you think it's fun and joyful and let me interview women about and men probably about women cats or, you know, a, a business and cats or whatever they're doing. And then all of a sudden you're like, oh, my God, I'll ring this person, I'll do this, I'll do this, because you're excited and your heart connected to it and means something to you. And I think that's the thing, that's what I love to help women with is to get to that place where, yeah. boom, they're like, oh, I want this, you know. No, it's true. It's true. But um, what are some of the dream locations or, or people that you would like to shoot if you got a chance now you know the lockdown's easing and hopefully you know we'll have some more freedom to travel around is that I know of course your heart is in Italy is there Mm. anywhere else that you'd really love to just go and explore I think I mean I love I love the world in general I mean the I think the thing about travel for each and every one of us we all have our own different relationship with it I just love to be in a place where I almost feel like, you know, it's not touristy or Mm. not too many people have been here before or that sort of thing. Yeah. So I think I'm really, over the years, I've been really obsessed with, you know, older people, um, Mm. older people in their story. I did start with beautiful Lisa Clifford. Actually, I did just now remember one of my books. I forgot Naples, A Way of Love, which was another one of my absolute favourite books um, with beautiful Lisa Clifford, we photographed Naples. But one of the things we did start a book, Lisa and I, called um, Nonna told, What Nonna Told Me, um, which is sort of like what Grandma told me. And we, we started photographing 90-plus-year-olds in Italy, tracking them down <laughs> and getting their stories. And I think, you know, I love um, that that people connection um I love places uh, I mean I don't know I guess until I get there I don't know but I'm always excited just to go on an adventure anywhere I've always been one of those ones that goes to the train station and, and the airport and I'm just like oh bubbles in my blood of excitement so um I always have some favorite places I love to photograph like the Amalfi Coast and I'm happy at the sea so places like that uh, are great But I think COVID, you know, again, was quite uh, educational in a lot of ways. It sort of made me less, 
you know, having to stay at home for long periods of time made me more comfortable and just yearning for more simplicity as well. So just searching out those simple places and taking the time when you're in them. Um, I think that for me feels good. Of course, I'm in Greece now. I've, I've, um, I've been in Greece. I've been coming to Greece for 10, 10 years on holidays as well. And I, I love the simplicity of Greece, the kindness, the generosity, the hospitality. Um, so there's all those sorts of wonderful things. And of course, I love photographing women. So yeah, um, yeah I don't know. I, it's a, I've always, I had a, I had a little tag years ago, which was like life, love, and laughter. Those are the things I've always liked to photograph. Yeah, <laughs> so, you know, because, like you said, um, I read that you said that photography is like an emotional language, and I feel like that as well. I love um, to go to galleries, and I love to read like the little snippets of you know what is behind the photo. Of course, I love to look at photography for you know the aesthetic reasons; it's beautiful, but I really love the stories as well. And I feel more connected to a photograph if there's a story behind it for some reason. I don't know. Yeah, I think, you know, as photographers, we have access to all sorts of different tools within photography to, you know, up the language, so to speak, whether it's slow motion or slow shutter speed or whether it's... um, you know, using certain kinds of light, um, the way we decide to crop or shoot or whatever the subject is. So in a way, you know, I was a real novice photographer. I just went out and just started shooting what I was attracted to. And I think, you know, the, the thing that I really loved was portraying images that had an emotional connection. Mm. And I think... You know, every photographer has um, their own way of seeing and shooting. I think this is the most beautiful thing. You can give, uh, you know, 10 photographers a camera and give them the same subject and they'll all shoot it in a different way because everybody feels and sort of, um, you know, it's like a mirroring effect in a lot of ways. Photography, I always say it's really about us, not about the subject (laughs) because it's like what do we want? You know, people often used to say to me, you know, why people always laughing in your photographs or why is this always movement? And I think really because that's how I approach my life. So it's kind of like a mirror mirror of me. But, um, yeah, I think photography is an extraordinary, uh, wonderful, wonderful uh, creative tool that you can use to get to know more about yourself and really connect you to the world. So it's a really powerful, you know, some of the most powerful photographs some of the most powerful photos uh, have changed the world, have, have changed how we feel about certain things in the world. So, you know, it's an incredible, powerful tool, depending on how you want to use it. It is, it is. Because I think our eyes are automatically drawn to, of course, the image usually before words. Like when we look at magazines, we look at the images first and then the words. So, yeah, you're right. It is so powerful. Well, that's right, because our brain actually learns with images. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, it's really is a, a really powerful language. And then when you look, you know, you go through a day and you look at all the images around us, mm. whether you're taking the train or on a, the you know, metro or whatever, but just and then you pick up a magazine and you're on social media. I mean, images is everywhere. 
So, you know, now in a way it's amazing time to be a photographer because it's so it's creative on the next level, but it's also a time when, you know, we need to think differently as well. We need to, you know, really sort of step into our creativity to stand out from this kind of incredible amount of imagery that's out there. So, but it is a wonderful, wonderful way to express oneself. Yes, it is. Um, going on a little time travel again, um, back to where you kind of started in Sydney in your 20s, um, with your best friend, you turned over more than a million dollars before your 30th birthday. Am I correct in saying that? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Wow, yeah. that is just <laughs> great. That's incredible. Um, what did you actually do? Like, what was your business? Okay, so I had a business. Um, we started when I was 23. My partner was a bit older. Mm-hmm. And we worked together in a, a, it was called the Sydney Swans at the time. It was a football club, mm-hmm. a professional football club. And we ended up creating a business that made promotional clothing for places like that because we were always trying to buy kind of cooler looking clothing and we could never find it. So years after we left that um place we end up creating um, our own clothing company where we would make you know mass orders for everyone from coca-cola to um restaurants all sorts of different clothing but this was a really um interesting business for me because i my business partner um said to me at the time or just before we started obviously um i've got this idea do you want to do it and i was just in between jobs and not really you know doing anything I didn't have any I wasn't connected ever at that point too I wasn't passionate about anything um so I said just off go off with go with the flow a bit you know and so I said yeah yeah let's do it and um and it was exciting and fun in the beginning for me to make it work Mm -hmm. and then once it worked it became really humdrum and yeah. that, but I stuck with it. We we actually I stayed with it for thirteen years. Um, but I you know had a lot of years towards the end when I just didn't know how to get out of it. You know, like it became like a marriage in a way. Yeah. Um, you build this thing up and it works, and but then you sort of get stuck. You feel stuck there. So, but we had a lot of fun as well. You know, I had, he was such a great guy, and you know he was just a testament of of him to being such a wonderful person was that when I decided I want to go and I told him the truth, he's like, okay, let's make this happen. So, you know, there are really great stories out there as well of business partnerships that end um, that often you don't hear about. So one ours is one of those where he really supported me also as a friend in working out how we could move forward. So, yes, yeah, so we were lucky. We worked hard, you know, we worked hard. We were lucky. It was the end of the 80s when we started. Yeah. So there was a lot of money around then. People would order huge amounts of clothing and have huge promotions. Um, and, of course, then that ended up ending, <laughs> as all those things do. But we just built a sustainable, solid business. That was just our goal um, after the sort of 80s crashed, um, just to, you know, do a good job, make a good product, do what we say, and we didn't reinvent the world, but we... Um, we had a great business. And I think a lot of times in business, people just don't do the basic things mm-hmm. and that's why they don't work. So yeah. um, it's very, it can be very simple. Yeah, it's true. And it's about that strong relationship. Like you said, you had, you know, quite a tight, um, strong friendship. So I think that really 
counts because then you can bounce off each other. There's no friction. And I think that's what can be detrimental to businesses sometimes. If you are working with someone and they're just in that connection, it can be really tough to, you know, make something work. Yeah, I think when people are unhappy in their businesses, then everything becomes more difficult. Like, you know, we had so many years where we were just having fun. You know, it's fun. We were just hanging out together, two mates, having fun. Um, I think when I became unhappy towards the end, then I became a bit more grumpy, you know. <laughs> um, and I think that a lot of businesses, that you know, everything's serious and heavy and exhausting and all that sort of stuff. And I think that's one of the things I've loved about my second business life um, as a photographer and creative coach is really making, allowing myself to have the most fun possible and making business fun and letting business be fun. And I think that's uh, a lot of, you know, another thing that we're not really taught a lot is that, why just not do the thing that pleases you the most um, and make that work? (laughs) Yeah. Because like you even said that money didn't count without the things that are important to you. And I think so many people, when they start their business, it's, well, not everyone, because I can't say that. For example, I know that I did start my business on passion because I just love cats and I always have. And like, to me, money was secondary. I just wanted to be around more cats and it started <laughs> mechanically. But I think when some people start businesses, it's very money driven and it's like they don't necessarily want to do that. And sometimes when some of my friends approach me and like they know obviously that I have my own company and they're like, oh, I want my own business. And then I say, well, what do you want to do? And then they say something, but because I know them, I'm thinking... But you don't even like that. Like, why do you want to do that? And then I question them. And then they're like, oh, I don't know. I just thought that, you know, I could make money. And I thought, well, no, that shouldn't be the reason why. I mean, of course, you know, business is business and it's nice to make profit and, you know. But I think that shouldn't be the driving force to start something. Yeah, I think the thing with um, a lot of people, in fairness to everybody, including myself in 35, I just didn't know what I liked. I didn't know what to do. Now, there are people who are really fortunate and they're just they're born and they're just, they know their mission. They're just like, whoop, I'm, that's what I want to do. And then there are other people who get so confused and they arrive at a certain point in their life and they're just like, who am I? I don't know what I like. I don't know what to do. I don't know where to start. And I think that's interesting because that was sort of where I was at 35. Like I actually actually started getting to know myself really from that age onwards. So I think um, a lot of people like me, I did that kind of a thing which just had an opportunity in front of me and didn't really analyse it very, you know, the, my previous business. Um, okay, I'll go for that. And then I woke up an unhappy woman, you know, down the 10 years down the track. And I think this is a huge majority of our of the people that just, you know, follow the path that they think they need to follow, you know, go to university, get a job, become a, you know, um, what somebody said was a good idea to do. And um, and then they wake up and they're like, I don't want to do this. Um, but now I've spent half my life doing it. How, what do I do now <laughs> kind of thing? So I think it's sometimes actually being really heart connected to stuff is hard. Um, but like you, what you've done is amazing because you've allowed loving cats to be enough. 
you know what I mean? You started in a place that's so beautifully natural for you, but a lot of people have said, oh, I can't, I, I shouldn't turn that into business. No, no, I'll go and be a blah, blah. Mm. And I think, you know, this is where we do end up because, you know, um, you can, I'm not saying that every hobby or everything you love, you need to turn to business. Absolutely not. But um, not even allowing yourself to explore what that could be. I think that's where we really do a disservice to ourselves and, you know, choosing the wrong thing. But nothing's wrong anyway. Do you know what I mean? It's all experience and it's just all part, in a way, of our path. I, I'm so grateful for those years I had my business. They taught me so much. And it made the joy so much more when I got to do what I really love. So, you know, we're, we're gathering information all the time and skills and all those skills can be reworked and that is talents and capabilities that everybody has. So it's one of the things I always say to the women, you know, you're not ever starting from scratch. Even if you start at 35, I was like, so not starting from scratch, you know. <laughs> so I think that's the thing to take heart um, if you feel stuck, but, you know, it's never too late to change and you're never starting from scratch. You really aren't. Yeah, I think it's so refreshing to hear that because I feel like there's sometimes pressure as well when you're younger. Like I'm I'm going to be 33 soon and to hear that you didn't really find that about yourself until you were 35, like that's going to be me in like two years. And yeah. um, it's nice to hear that, you know, as an older woman and as, as a person who's, you know, in their 30s, that you can decide and make those decisions then and not in your 20s. Because I feel like in my 20s, I just didn't know what I wanted to do anyway. <laughs> yeah, I mean, how do you know? Like, yeah. unless you've had an extraordinary um, <laughs> growing up situation or great mentors or, you yeah. know, you, you happen to, to start with something you really loved, it's really difficult. I think they're the minority. People that know what they want are the minority. Um, so I always say even, like, you know, at 50, uh, I'm about to be 57, so let's just say at 50 I started my coaching uh, around 50, 51. You know, in a way it's another reinvention and mm. it's just as good, you know, love is love. Um, passion is passion whether you're 10, 15, 20, 30, 40, 50. It doesn't change the feeling just because you grow old. Um, so I think that's the thing is to realise, okay, well, you're going to live this life anyway. It might as well be good. <laughs> You know, um, you you know, too old for what? I don't know. Yeah, that's what I want to ask. That's true. Now I can tell you've got so much like good advice just just from talking to you and listening to you. I can I can understand why you're a coach, and um, I'm guessing that you you've helped so many people as well. But what do you actually? What do you offer with your life life coaching service? And and why do you specifically? help women and what is your mission as a coach well i i guess i work um you know my i have a course called say yes to yourself yes 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 um and this is a group coaching program that i developed really when i um put all the pieces together of you know my personal experience and what you need to really be authentic live your authentic life be your real you and rick and really connect to something that means meaning has some meaning to you or it makes you feel like you have a purpose so my mission really is to help women uh no matter what age they are is to realize um that you you're not just here by accident on this planet 
uh, you have some unique talents and skills and that you can actually um, be really seriously connected uh, to something that you care about that will bring meaning and purpose to your life. So it's really my um, mission to give people the roadmap. I created a roadmap and I have tested it, road tested it for 20 years. I've you know got all my women in my program who road tested it and had their own beautiful and unique results. So I think that's the thing. I want really help women to reconnect back to what it actually means to live life uh, authentically and then um, really connect to that passion and joy um, that is in you know, a place that a lot of us aren't, aren't living. You know, we're not, a lot of people get to into their 40s and 50s and their, lives, their life isn't what they want it to be, but it can be. Yeah. <laughs> so, I was going to say, what are some of the kind of common barriers that you come across or problems that the women tend to need more support with? Um, and how well, That is a brilliant question because, um, you know, the number one thing that really holds everybody back is this, their beliefs, mm. the beliefs that they accrue pretty much mostly between when they're zero and seven. And these are like a subconscious program that just runs in your back, you know, the, the background. And it means that you, you know, stay in the same job, you date the same types of people, you react in the same way to certain things, and it keeps you in your place. And most people are, are totally unaware of their limiting beliefs. And so it's about discovering those and then learning how to transform them. That is where most people need the most help because. Um, we're just so unaware because these these are re it's really old programming. So it's really about unlearning a lot of the stuff mm -hmm. and relearning and reconnecting, you know, in a conscious way about what is important to you now and who are you, you know, what are everything from your values, your needs, your wants, all the basic foundational pieces of who you are as a human being because most people don't even ask those questions. We're not. I didn't you know, until I became a coach. I didn't know what my values were. Um, and so, you know, it's really about giving women back their rudder or a rudder that a lot of us have never had. So actually getting that inner rudder going because, you know, often what we're doing is we're polling everybody outside, you know, we, there's all sorts of lots of other interesting things like drivers, like um, being a people pleaser or um, be strong, don't show your emotions. There's so many things going on, but often what we're doing is we are, you know, everything is external and that's why we sort of sometimes feel like we're just thrown about on the waves of life and we can't get what we want. But when you bring it all back to uh, and start to learn about yourself and to learn about your habits and learn about your behaviours and these beliefs, all of a sudden it makes sense. Like, no wonder I can't get what I want, you know what I mean, because it's just... I just keep, um, it just it just keeps holding you there. So I think that's the thing that's really exciting, seeing women step out of their invisible prisons. I mean, that is just like front row joy. <laughs> so that's really my... Yeah, I was going to say, um, it must be so rewarding to, to see that and experience that as a coach. But do you have any great client success stories that stand out to you? Yeah, I have some amazing client success stories um, and they're extraordinary. I'll, give, I'll tell you a couple of them. But one of my lovely ladies, um, she was living in New York with her husband and she had this dream to move to Venice. She was about to be 60 
And, you know, she really wanted this dream to happen. She had a job. She had so much to overcome. And she's been living in Venice for the last two or three years. So, you know, at almost 60 years of age, she, you know, learned about herself, overcame, overcame her limiting beliefs and all sorts of other things and made that courageous step. Now, a lot of times it just says, like, why wouldn't you just book a ticket to Venice? But when you've been programmed for so long that that's an unsafe thing to do, you're just never going to do that, you know. Um, another lady, she uh, she's amazing. I think she's lost 90 pounds, for example, now. She came into the program thinking she wanted to um, better invent a business and realised that when she was in there that, oh, my God, I'm never going to go out and create a business because I don't want anyone to see me. Um, so she then really connected to what she needed to do, which was look after her well-being. So she lost 90 pounds, which is extraordinary. Another amazing woman came into our program. She just had cancer. She'd been left by her husband. She'd lost her job um, because she was too sad. And she was pretty devastated on all levels. And the thing that she loved the most, which her husband didn't ever like her doing, was painting. So she decided that she would paint and just kept painting and painting, just holding on to the faith that this was the right thing to do. I think within uh, less, way less than a year, she had an amazing job teaching painting. She had her first sold-out exhibition. Wow. I know, like amazing story. And this woman, you couldn't even recognise her anymore when we saw her, you know, on video. She was this just so excited about her life and joy. So she ended up getting the dream job. She was working in a place where women would come in for parties and she'd teach them to paint. Um, and then, you know, she'd paint for herself. She had these exhibitions. It was just extraordinary. Um, another woman, again, four kids, single mum, you know, wanted to do photography, uh, wanted financial freedom, didn't want to be working for anyone else, went off to the other side of the world, took pictures, sells of pictures for up to 4,000 euros a photograph, uh, created this whole business, fell in love. I mean, you know, a whole life she never never dreamed about. So didn't dare to dream about really. I mean, I think she said she'd been single for like 20 years. So, ah. I, yeah, yeah. So I think this is, this is extraordinary. You know, I've seen it over and over again with women all ages. These women, lots of these women are well into their 50s, um, is finding you know, that connection of something they care about and that connection just takes them, you know, motivates them, um, pushes them out of their comfort zone. I think that is just, you know, like, honestly, their joy is my joy. I can't tell you how beautiful it is to watch these women go, you know. Do you have a coaching book, Carla? Because I know you, you have your photography books. <laughs> um, well, one of the reasons I'm in Greece was I started to was to write my coaching book. <laughs> <laughs> yeah um I have, to, I have to admit it's been very hot it's 37 degrees so <laughs> I'm actually going to um I have written some of that and I am going to work on another project about women while I'm here because I just feel like I'm just going to follow what feels good because I've been really struggling with the writing even though mm -hmm. I love writing so I, I'm just going to allow myself now to park it for a little bit and go back to that when it's cooler and I'm in uh, an environment where I can concentrate so yeah. I um yeah I would love to one of the things I'd love to do is put together um my images of the young girls in bloom and 
put together a story for women who are, you know, teenagers um, about how to love themselves. So anyway, that many things. Incredible. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Keep us keep us updated about that because I would love yeah. to hear about that. And, and yeah, yeah. So much to do. So many wonderful yeah. things to create. Yeah, you've got time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's what I keep saying. I've got time. <laughs> my mantra. <laughs> but let's move on to my favorite part of the show being pets, but most specifically, <laughs> so can you tell us about your life and journey with pets so far? Yes. Well, I am cat crazy. Uh, I have a cat called Avedon, which is named after a famous photographer I love. Um, and he was hilarious. He was born in the Boulangerie, a bakery in my street in Paris. Um, and he's so spoiled. He's so beautiful. We love him dearly. Um, and I have a very funny situation with my neighbour who has a big Norwegian forest cat. And up until COVID, the cat would just knock on the door or she would knock on the door in the morning and he'd come in for the day like, you know, uh, kindergarten and he'd stay with us all day and then he'd go home. So I sort of have two cats. <laughs> um, <laughs> but my mum, you know, she was amazing actually. I, I, I never really, she didn't really do it in a big sort of outward way that we was obvious to me as a child. But mum was always collecting stray animals. We had numerous cats. We had turtles we had chickens we had dogs um and I think mum just did it with such ease and grace in a way she didn't make a big deal about it and for us it was just natural to be around animals and to love animals and be kind to animals and I think that has um you know I look at my brothers and sisters every single one of us has numerous animals and I think it's just a beautiful gift that my parents gave me was this love for animals and I think cats particularly are just hilarious they're just so funny they're so wise they are they're just such great teachers I mean if you watch a cat you can learn so much they're just amazing I always say that cats are, are the best teachers about so <laughs> they're little sun speakers they love to turn and just they just love relaxing and they know exactly what they want and I love them. Yes. I think that's powerful. I mean, I think as women uh, we can learn a lot from cats because mm. they ask a lot, cats. And women, uh, we don't generally want to ask or you know, yeah. uh, upset people, but they ask for love. Because I'll be like, <laughs> hey, get over here and cuddle me. Come on, yeah. I need some, you know, patting right now. Um, and I think that they're really clear, you know, about they give very clear direction. <laughs> it's like, I don't like that food. I won't be eating that. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, no, they're amazing. There's so many, so many incredible things they do, cats. And they, and they really live in the moment. They're so joyful. You know, when they decide to play, um, you know, we could do a bit more play in our lives too, I think. Very true. Exactly. Um, so I'm intrigued to know more about the the 40 cats that you're currently looking after. <laughs> so, yeah, tell us a bit about that and, and how that started. Well, I've been coming to see my beautiful friend, Clara Matthew, in Greece um, for I don't know how many years now, maybe six years. And they have a beautiful life here um, in Greece and being kind, wonderful people they somehow started collecting cats you know and um feeding the cats in the village and uh somehow they just kept growing and growing but you know they did they've done a lot of work 
also neutering the cats and really trying to keep the population down so they can stay healthy because that's another huge issue. Um, so I this summer they were blocked in Australia and they asked me whether I would, you know, like to stay in their place and look after their animals. And I was like, hello, yes, thank you. <laughs> and um, so I'm here with six cats in this house and then um, they have another place where there's I feed about 35 in the morning and it's seriously so funny you know like their cats have all got big personalities and I feel like now they're calling all their friends in the village hey come up here <laughs> but my friends have done this for uh we were in 2021 2005 oh. they are amazing like it's relentless you know um, I don't know how they've done it. They've put so much time, love, care and money into this. They've fed the cats for, on their own um, for all these years and taken them to the vet and done all those extra care that they need. So, you know, it's interesting to put yourself in their lives and say, wow, this is, this is beautiful and rewarding and amazing, but it's also hard work. And I think, you know, when you see that they've done it for so long, you think, wow, this really is devotion. They're really incredible. Yes. I love people like that. I just think yeah. they're just like, it's like kind of like Mother Teresa kind of people. Like you're just yeah. so, you're on this earth and you're just so kind and you're just so mm. loving and, and you give everything. I just, oh, it's rare to find people like yeah I mean the thing I love about these two they're just glorious um Matt's an artist and Claire she has um always done beautiful worked in as a creative director and beautiful homes and stuff but you know I said to her yesterday I said oh the thing that I love about you is or the surprise it's you know like you you walk into her home and it's beautiful but then it's like but the cats are all allowed in you know and somebody yeah, else that uh, normally would have a beautiful home they'd be going oh, no the cats can't come in no they can't sit on yeah. that they can't. so you've got these gorgeous cats everywhere so I think that's um that's lovely to you know it's really deep for them this enormous love of animals you know they've also rescued dogs as well and rehomed so many dogs are, you know i'm sure even they've lost have lost count but um i think it's just from a place of the animal needs help now and they just make it happen so yeah it's great and i just love it because it's kind of what you know I get to be wild for a while, you know, a yeah, wild woman. Yeah. I've got a Jeep and I've got my cats and <laughs> I buy, I go, I love, I go and buy, load up on cat food. I mean, I've got my normal cats here that I feed, but then if I see cats, you know, I'm driving around, I'll just stop and <laughs> open cans and feed them. But it just brings me enormous pleasure. I just, I just love it. I don't know. You know, it's just one of those things. I think it's, um, you don't expect anything back because, they can't give anything back. I mean, they give you love, of course, but um, it's just a pure pleasure to feel like that you're helping um, yeah. an animal, even if it's just for one day, you know, have a better day, have something nice to eat or um, taking care of them. It's amazing. I love it. Yeah, it's the best feeling. I also it is. that feeling of, of going to Greece. And it's just that if you're a cat lover, like I definitely recommend Greece as a trip like you yeah. any of the islands you're just going to find cats everywhere and it's so sweet and yeah yeah and lots of people feed them as well which is nice to see um but yes. I guess during the pandemic because you know not a lot of people are, especially tourists 
and have been traveling so I guess that may have affected um, some of the wellness of the cats obviously you're there and there are great people that live um, in Greece that feed the cats but I think a lot of tourists usually um, feed street animals as well so I guess yes yeah I think I think it, you know um, you can really see the difference I was here last year as well um, you know there's a lot more animals in general so mm -hmm. I think because probably you know the visiting vets and all of that sort of stuff um, often they come and help neuter the animals yeah. um, that doesn't didn't happen because of COVID so there's just they've just grown exponentially um, and as you say the tourists are a huge help you mm -hmm. know they come they feed they care. Um, I was at the vet yesterday, actually, and there was a really sweet couple going to Belgium and they'd found a little cat on the street and they were taking it and they got all her passport and everything. And I think, you know, I mean, those sort of circumstances are, you know, a cat like that would never have had a good life, you know, mm. would have probably got run over the next day or something. Yeah. But, you know, somebody so sweet just um, made all that effort because it's a big effort. Um, and I think that's a thing like, you know, uh this has really affected the animals i think it's probably put a lot more pressure on the people that live here you know they've had to you know feed them um and care for them and i can see where we are you know we just got this just so many more cats and i think you know again they breed so quickly yeah. it's sort of just um you know so i, I guess it could become really overwhelming so absolutely yeah so tourists if you're listening to this darlings we need you come to Greece and feed the cats <laughs> yeah is there anything else people can do like for example you said your friends have been doing this out of their own kind of finances like yeah. do you think they have they they can set up like a GoFundMe or something like that um they don't but there's a wonderful woman called Carolyn Cool and that's a cool with a k okay. um she has a page um called Sappho's Stray Cats S A P P H O with with an apostrophe S stray cats on Facebook, um, and she is extraordinary. This woman, she works closely with my friends and other associations um, in Greece, and she rehomes so many cats. So, um, if anybody's listening to this, they can go and join that page, and then Carolyn can, or I can also. Um, give you the bank account if people want to donate any money directly to her but she is the, the huge help here that gets them off the islands or you know helps people when there's um with financially as well when people can't afford to pay for the food and stuff yeah. she's been she's just been an angel so yeah well yeah. I'll colour is I'll get those details from you and I'll link that in the show notes so okay that'd be fabulous they can find her yeah. yeah it's it's just so great if people um i know that i've given to many foundations when i just can't be or do physically something yeah. um and it's just is really so helpful yeah definitely absolutely it's wonderful would you ever consider creating a cat photography book <laughs> <laughs> absolutely yes yeah. <laughs> oh, I think it'd be so fun. Uh, you know, there's such big personalities. I mean, every cat has its own personality. And I think that would be such a joy to try and capture those personalities and, you know, and, yeah, be fun. I mean, I think cats are so fabulous because they're this incredible cross between wildness mm -hmm. and domesticated. Mm -hmm. And 
know, I think this wild part, I just find so amazing. It's remained for so many centuries. Even when they've domesticated, they still got this wild side. And I think that's just so fabulous. I think so too. And what I find hilarious about cats, and since I've been working with so many, is I don't know if they just become accustomed to like our phones now, because 2021 cats are just completely just so advanced. Like I mm. on our on my Instagram page, I posted a photo a few days ago of a cat ringing a doorbell, like one of those. <laughs> Like also when I take photos of some of the cats on my phone, it's like they pose like they're yeah. really <laughs> they know. Like they're just so oh. smart. They're so wise. They're so amazing. <laughs> yeah. They're just so funny, you know, the things that they do and I don't know, I just I there's such great company, my cat. I just love how he'll just come in and lie you know, is obsessed with the heat in Paris in the winter. So he'll mm. he'll come and lie on my computer. Or he'll he'll want some attention and he'll just come, you know, okay, it's an intervention, you're not working anymore. <laughs> or um, you know, just how much joy they get from lying in the sun or sitting on a heater. They're just they're just fabulous. Yeah. We love them. Thank yeah. You. Um, and have pets had an influence on your own well being at all? I, I think a thousand percent. <laughs> a thousand percent. Um I know there's been times at work I've been stressed or something and, you know, my cat will come and lie on my chest oh. or lie on me and it's like his um, purring, you know, settles me down. I, I just, Sometimes in the middle of the night if I woke up, I remember he used to come and he'd come and he'd know I'd be awake and he'd come and lie on me and I'd go back to sleep. I'm seriously, he's got some sort of, um, you know, meditative that that, um, that feeling. But I think in general just the whole concept of loving and caring and having that, you know, unconditional love for something or someone, I think that's really great for our well-being. And I think just, you know, um, having this little personality and loving and caring and caressing and all those beautiful things that comes with um, having an animal, you know, yeah. is that you get a huge amount back. You get more back, I think, yeah. than you give in a way. So, yeah, they're just um, they're just so special. And it's interesting the the street cats here, how loving they are and how grateful. Mm-hmm. You know, it's incredible how they just know that you're helping them. Yeah, it's amazing. So I think, yeah, I think well being is just enormous. Um, I think you know pleasure is an interesting thing because I really you know, dialed into pleasure quite a lot the concept. But you know when you do something that brings pleasure to you that's a feeling in your body and that affects your nervous system and you know every and all of your biochemistry and that translates into well-being so i think you know there is definitely so much well-being you get from interacting in a positive way with your cat yes absolutely mm. even me i even though you know this is a business and i, I get paid to do cat sitting or whatever it feels like it's therapy for me like mm. when i go and meet all of these different cats and i just stroke them and they're just so grateful that i'm here they usually come and meet me at the door you know they associate me with good things like you know getting fed playing <laughs> going outside so it's just so yeah I, I think i've never been happier since i started this job so yeah yeah that's amazing you're, you're amazing too 
<laughs> take care of them. But it's such an important thing. You know, we love our pets. They're like family members and we don't want to leave them for, to anyone when we go away. So, you know, um, what you're doing is so amazing for people like me and other people who can, you. you know, know that we will have someone who take care of our beautiful babies. Thank you. <laughs> thank you for this whole conversation. Honestly, it's been so enlightening and just uh, so interesting. And I've just learned so much from, from everything that you said. So thank you so much for coming. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. It's been yeah. an absolute joy. But lastly, if the listeners want to find out a little bit more about you, where can they find your accounts and website online? The easiest thing is to go to carlacolson.com and that's C-A-R-L-A-C-O-U-L-S-O-N.com and pretty much everything's there, uh, my photography, my coaching, um, my story, my books, everything. If they dig around there, they'll, um, they'll find that. So, yeah. Perfect. Well, thank you very much and I hope you enjoy your wonderful rest of the day in Greece. Yay. Thank you. My <laughs> pleasure. Thanks, Michelle. Bye. Bye. Everybody. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast. We have some amazing guests on the show who share such invaluable advice, stories and inspiration. Can you do me a favour? If you like this podcast, please could you rate, review and subscribe. This will help us reach people who can benefit from listening. Another way you could help is if you could tell a friend who you think might enjoy this podcast too. See you next week. Goodbye.